Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Disney Grown Up is recorded in the greater Brisbane area, Queensland, Australia. We would like to acknowledge that this land is the custodial land of the oldest living civilization in the world. We would like to acknowledge our first peoples and their elders, past, present and emerging, for they hold the hopes, dreams, traditions and cultures of Aboriginal Australia. Hello Disney lovers, I'm Stacey and I'm Georgina and together we're Disney Disney Grown Up. Uh, Welcome to a fun fact episode Uh, Just full of fun and or facts. The best kind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm doing a movie that I think is quite underrated. Mm. Um, In fact, Eugene is not sure if he's actually seen the whole thing. (laughs) I can't put a confidence on actually seeing it in its entirety. (laughs) I've seen bits. Yes. Other bits, definitely no. So I don't. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So the movie that we're doing today is A Sword in the Stone, Mm. um, which I felt like I watched a lot as a kid. We must have had a VHS at home um, because I have quite distinct memories of watching it. One of the ones that you whip out and watch all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I re-watched it within the last 12 months um, as part of our Disney vs. Disney debates. Um, And, yeah, I had a good time remembering it. So... I don't know. <laughs> it just sprung to mind today and I'm like, that's what I'm going to... You felt it. That's what I'm going to discuss. Um, so let's get into the facts. Let's do it. I'm right. ready for it. Oh, awesome. Well, hopefully you remember what I'm talking well, about. Well, we'll see. Maybe this will like bring we'll back see. all the memories. <laughs> um, so first of all, this is the second and only the second Disney animated feature to be entirely written by just one person. Oh. Um, which in this case is Bill Pete, and he had previously done the same on 101 Dalmatians. Oh. So rather than a team of writers, this was just one person from start to finish. I'm just going to do it. I know what I want. Let me write it. Yeah, which I think is um, helpful. I'm wondering if actually The Incredibles, I know Brad Bird was very, I think he might have written the script, so... Maybe this is a little out of date. But there certainly are very few films. Yeah. Where it's, it's normally not, at least a yeah. bit of a team. So um, so that's kind of like a, a pro, I think, for it. Uh, but there was, of course, it was an adaptation of a book, which is um, The Once and Future King by T.H. White, mm. um, which is kind of like a bunch of short stories, um, which means that they they had a little bit of trouble adapting it for... The screen the as length. far as making it cohesive. Um, and it does kind of feel like a lot of little short stories together mm. in that, um, you know, with Merlin t- teaching him different lessons as he goes along. And it's kind of like these little contained stories yeah. that don't really... Ooh, snippets. Yeah, that don't really link like the whole way through. Um, but still very charming. Um, and, of course, one of those changes was in the... 
there was going to be an alternate opening scene where Madame Mim was um, trying to usurp the throne of England by trying to king, kill King Arthur, like, while he was little, oh. um, before he ever got to the sword um, and using a raven to, like, keep surveillance on him and stuff, which I think would have um, maybe tied it in a little bit better. Because uh, you only really meet Madame Mim like an hour into the movie and then she's there for like 10 minutes. And, and you're gone. like, who's this? Why well, are they suddenly here? Great. I do character. remember her. Yes. And I, I, whether that's from like snippets and things after the movie. Yeah. Because there's like a lot of like little clips and little memes about her. And I'm like, yes. Madame Mim is just quality entertainment. Such um, a good character. And I remember talking about this in our debate, but I really wished – like, I really wanted more of her because she's such a fun character. Mm. Um, and Pete, like, designed Madame Mim, yeah. of course. Um, and Walt, when he saw her, was like, who's this frowsy old lady? <laughs> He's like, why can't we have a big, tall dame with black hair? Because he was looking more like Maleficent, yeah. like that kind of... Evil um, Queen Snow White. Because remember, this is, of course, before Little Mermaid, where we had yes. this very voluptuous Ursula. Um, but... He, Pete was kind of like, well, we always do that and she needs to be like the opposite of, of Merlin. And Merlin mm. was very tall and skinny. So they want that's why they made her like really ah, short and frumpy. For the contrast. Yeah. So they both have to be eccentric but like different types. Yeah. So we're, like Merlin is more like um, is good, very good character. Yeah. Um, maybe even like chaotic good yeah uh, whereas mim is like chaotic bad <laughs> like chaotic evil she really um, leads into that she is like they like they really set up like she's cheating at cards she's doing this yeah. and the, in the bat the famous battle scene she's like cheating like crazy yeah like um she really is this like chaotic character which is just she's just great she's just <laughs> awesome um and the animators who worked on mim were like obsessed with her they, they yeah. had a lot of fun um, and they wanted more of her because they just had so much fun animating. <laughs> animating They're like, can her. we put more of her in the movie, please? Um, the character of Merlin, going back to him, was actually mm. based a lot on Walt. Um, oh. It's a bit like, I'm going back to The Incredibles, but I do love that movie, as you know. <laughs> um, so they actually designed Syndrome based on Brad Bird as kind of like a like a middle finger to yeah. Brad because he was being a bit hard to work with. Yeah. Um, so Pete kind of like secretly designed Merlin <laughs> to be like Walt. Not like he didn't look. He, he's got Walt's nose apparently, yeah. but more of his like character. Yeah. So although he's like Walt's not really as grumpy as Merlin was, but he certainly had that like grandfathery kind of yeah, this little bit of eccentricity, <laughs> um, bumbling kind of rambling kind of thing going on, which was apparently based off Walt. Um, That's fun. <laughs> whereas there was another character that was based. Off a real life human, but it feels, I don't know, it has a weird vibe. Let oh. me know what you think about it. Oh, okay. So, um, the Madame Mim transforms herself at one point into a very attractive woman. Yes. Um, and apparently, this woman looked very familiar to a woman who worked in the layout department on the second oh. floor. So, the animator never admitted it. But apparently it's really obvious that it, it looked like this lady yeah. whose name is um, Sylvia Roma um, or Rima, Rome, Roma. I'm going to go with Roma. Um, so she, yeah, 
others, like other people were like, oh, that looks a lot. That looks like, like Sylvia. Sylvia. Um, Sylvia, that you? Like, And she didn't, either she didn't notice or she just chose not to say anything, but she never really acknowledged it. Yeah. And Animated never really acknowledged it. But other people were like, oh, that's There's pretty much a link between these two. Yeah, which I think is... Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, is it a compliment that the animators like, oh, we needed to draw a transformation to a beautiful woman. Sylvia's the first one that pops to my head. Let's model I mean, her. that is nice. Or is it but a... But she also hasn't given... Is it a bit creepy stalkerish? Yeah. Yeah. Has it she goes one permission? of two ways. I feel like if she knew about it, then she would have acknowledged but it. that's, I mean, I feel like that would be a weird thing if you're animated to be go up to someone and be like, I don't know you. I've seen you in layouts department <laughs> and I just think you'd be great for this visual. Can I use your likeness? And I suppose if that's a weird conversation to have. Weird. And I wonder how intentional that was as well. Yeah. Like was maybe it he was just like. Secretly in love with her or subconscious. Lady. Yeah. So maybe he's just like, I'm, I'm going to draw a pretty lady and drew mm. it. And then was li- and then later was like, oh no. <laughs> But it was We've too late. We've gone too far. We've you know, maybe someone else is like, that looks like Sylvia. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just don't, just don't uh, say anything. Just don't say anything. Now I want to see a picture of Sylvia and a picture of the animation oh, side by side. Oh, I have not gone that far. No, I'm, I'm, I'll, I mean, we'll see if we can find let's it. Let's do some investigative Googling and, and see. see if we can. We can I really want to know how close it is. Or if it's one of those things that when people are like, oh, that looks like you. And you're like, but does mm. it? I want to know how well, that's I, I want to know how accurate. I it mean, is. other people pointed it out, and maybe it's just you just were in the same workplace, and you just influenced, and yeah. you just it just happened. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll never know the backstory. <sighs> now I want to know the backstory. <laughs> I want to get so- these two. I want to interview them. <laughs> I want to do it. This is your lifestyle, kind of. Bring her out, <laughs> Sylvia. The doors well. part. There's animation slides up there. <laughs> Well, my apologies. Um, <laughs> You've opened too many. I know. Thoughts I know. For me. Um, the other thing I, I think is really interesting, particularly in the way that it was done, um, is in the voice acting. Mm. So for for Walt, oh not Walt, Wart. <laughs> sorry, Wart or Arthur <laughs> himself. So he started off with this like really popular at the time kids' voice. Yeah. Um, it was this teenage boy who was like in everything. Um. Let me just grab his name. Um, it was like Ronnie something. Uh, Ricky Sorensen. So he mm-hmm. started off being Arthur, but the film was in production for like three years. So his voice changed. Like he went through puberty during the production. Yeah. So the director ended up casting his two sons, um, Richard and Robert, to replace him, which I think is quite funny that all of their names start with R. Yeah. Um, oh, they all start with R. They're interchangeable, right? But it's really obvious that it's more than ah. one kid doing it. And sometimes, and this is what really annoyed me, is that sometimes even within like a sentence, the voice changed. So, oh. so, so he would say one thing and then in the next sentence it would be a different voice, voice. which is really <laughs> unsettling. <laughs> Like now I want to rewatch it to like hear it. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just like the script hadn't been finished yet or um, they didn't like the takes they had or what, whatever mm. the reason was that they needed to like, do like that level cut up of the lines. But I'm like, if you're going to do that for me, it would have made sense to start with the youngest sounding voice at the start and then work up to the older voice at the end. Because yeah. then progression. Passage, yeah. Passage of time. But no, it was really choppy and um, really different 
like very, very different voices. It like mm. I don't think they went like listen to this voice and try and do a similar. It was they were just, just like do it in your voice. So the inflections are all different. The like the accents yeah. are slightly different. It's really, really weird. That is weird. And once you know that, I mean I picked it up even just watching it and I didn't know that. And then I was like, what's happening with his voice? And then I Googled <laughs> what's it. What's going like, on? Oh, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, if you know that when you watch it, you can't um, unhear yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's very, um, yeah, it's very odd. <laughs> very odd. Odd choices to make. Of course. Um, the, um, oh, well, I already spoke to before about the animators who worked on Mim who were like yeah. obsessed with it. Had so much fun, especially in the, um, the fight scene where the jewel, the jewel, yeah. which is, became very famous. Which I do vividly remember seeing. Mm. That's the only part of the movie that I can remember. Well, of course it's. And it was at like where they turn into different animals and they had different, um, but the but they were styled like themselves, their, yeah, like Mim or Merlin. Mm. So you could tell which was which, and of course they used color really well and yeah. had like the blue and the purple. Um, but that would have been super fun, and they they had a really good time like designing all of that, yeah, creating what they're going to change into and all of those yeah. kinds of things, yeah. So. Um, and then, of course, um, again in the voice acting thing. So Archimedes had a scene um, where he was laughing really, really hard mm. um, when Merlin crashes his model airplane. <laughs> and essentially um, he had to like sustain this laughter the actor did. Yeah. And so he had to keep doing it and without it feeling like forced. forced. Um, and apparently by the end they were just – absolutely exhausted <laughs> by it and that, that's why you can hear like where Archimedes at one point like he was kind of like rolling and gasping for air and that was um from the state. <laughs> that was just the legitimate after effects yeah because he was just like exhausted from this like <laughs> well it's a, quite a workout isn't it yeah from the diaphragm and everything um and of course there's so many beautiful animals in this film mm. um and I know you're watching the squirrel scene yes just before I was indeed because um, I was like, let's have a quick look at a few clips, see if it jogs my memory. Mm. Top hit, Sword in the Stone squirrel scene on YouTube, just as a fun fact. And well, we, oh, I watched it and I liked they talked about gravity, <laughs> a little bit of scientific education. <laughs> Got to have the science. The science was there. The squirrel was a very pretty female squirrel. It was. And in fact, that kind of changed that scene. So originally it was meant to be that they were trying to escape from the wolf. Yeah. Yeah, see – and when mm. I saw Wolf, I'm like, that's probably why Georgina. That's why I didn't like it. No. I hate a wolf. Scared of wolves. There you go. You a lot of Disney like movies have wolves in them. Just saying. They do. There's actually quite a lot. And there's a wolf that pops up quite a bit in this movie, but oh. nothing's ever really done. Like, he oh, he's just kind of lingering. Well, sort of. You kind of see him it's trying to be. Somehow worse. I don't like, know. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no comeuppance for the wolf. There's no follow through. So he's kind of like. He's, he's just there. There. And he like watches things, but he doesn't really. No, nope, don't there's like no that. resolution. <laughs> don't like that at all. <laughs> so, um, it was meant to be that they were trying to get away and avoid the hungry wolf, mm. but instead they really liked the the chattering of the girl squirrel. Like yeah. they really enjoyed that, and so um, and so they're like, nah, nah, nah. Let's have it like this whole like love story thing. <laughs> Let's instead. lean into this squirrel love. Yes. 
Um, a lesson on consent. Yeah. Of course. Well, he says no many times and Girl Squirrel's like, no, nah, let me at it. And <laughs> I just don't know if that's appropriate. But, I mean, I the mean, squirrel boundaries. rules of consent might be different to humans. I don't true. know. <laughs> I don't very approve. True. I don't approve. Um, so, yeah, so... That's kind of fun. And the, like, the little girl squirrel is really cute. Yeah, it I is really, really cute little really yeah. Um So, yeah, I think that's about – I think that's about it, really. That's on its own. Um, but, yeah, because they're, the, they're kind of like the main um, things out there. But there certainly is a lot of information on, um, on Mim out there. I think because she's quite an original – little character mm. as far as um and then she kind of became like they did a lot of spin-offs with her as well yes um after that and really she's kind of a boss character i want i want more mim <laughs> more want a, mim kind of characters more out chaotic there please. evil please just a little crazy but fun I mean, it's a little bit like Maleficent who is like, I'm going to curse you because you didn't invite me to your party. <laughs> How uh, dare you curse for life. <laughs> but Mim is very unpredictable. Yes. Like, just, hey. Um, very, sorry. He goes giggling at me and I, I can't, I can't not react. And then I just realised that was so out of context. And I've just been like, hey. He's having then, a good little chat on the sidelines. Mid-sentence. Um, but yeah, she's such a chaotic, um, and I really like how they... That that concept of of her trying to get to the throne and mm. trying to um, usurp him at the start, I think that would have added a really nice little tension because yeah. there was kind of some tension with um, his brothers, but there wasn't really any. And then it yeah. kind of was like, what is the point of this? Like Melon's like, I got to teach you stuff, but it never really. You don't know why? I mean, yeah. you, everyone kind of knows, I guess. The legend of Arthur kind of thing. Yes. I guess that's what they're relying on then. Yeah. That everyone kind of knows that we don't need to lay it out. Let's just jump straight into it. And it ends just after he pulls the sword from the stone. Yeah. People see him. Then he's sitting on the throne. And then you're like, Merlin's oh. like, all right, well, we're going to, you know, keep learning. So I suppose, I mean, Disney made a lot of educational films, mm. particularly around this time and earlier. Yeah. So I suppose this does lean kind of into their educational stream yeah. of lifelong learning and it's really important. Little to, life lessons. Yeah. And um, but certainly did it in a much more fun, yeah, n- narrative-led way. So Sword in the Stone, don't overlook it. It's a good fun time. Go have a rewatch. Um, I might watch it possibly for the first time. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it is at early 60s. Um and it is of that time where it's not like a huge amount of things happening. It kind of just rolls pleasantly yeah. along. But it's a nice time. Yeah. Is it their best film? No, but it certainly is worth your time. Yeah. It's not a bad film by any means. It just, you know, I think it is it is for kids. Oh, It's definitely. one of those ones that doesn't, you know, when you watch as an adult, you're like, oh, I appreciate it on a new level. It's Yeah. It definitely has that like Winnie the Pooh kind of feel mm. of that like little – anecdotes of just life, you know, little little misadventures. Yeah. But not – and then it's sort of got the overarching story about the the sword, but you don't really get there till like the the, the very last part of the movie. So, yeah, it's fun and factual. And factual. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I think we're going to leave it there. Yeah. Nice uh, quick episode for yeah. today. I learned lots of things about Sword in the Stone. I mean, there's just so much to know. There's a lot to know. So, yes, let us know if there's any particular movie you'd like us to do a fun fact episode on. Yeah. Um, we do like these episodes. Uh, and, yeah, awesome. That's it. That's it. Let's keep on <laughs> keeping on. <laughs> <laughs> keep watching Disney, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.